0: Welcome to another edition of the Carousel, the number one podcast for all your the latest news, rumors, and scoop in the college basketball coaching carousel, joined as always by the two GOATs of rising coaches. We've got, <laughs> we'll go ladies first. We've got our director of operations, also on staff of Minnesota Women's Basketball, Aaron Sinnott, rocking the keep showing up shirt. How are you, Aaron? Shout out Jenny Fisher.
1: I showed up today. <laughs> <laughs> We're
0: rocking. And Brian Burton, um, vice president uh, for the DEI Alliance, uh, co-founder not co-founder, founder of All Access Sports, founder <laughs> of Uprise Athletic Group. You got a lot of hats. ESPN analyst. Brian Burton. What's up, Brian? How are you, man?
2: I'm well, man. I'm well. Had a crazy uh thriller of a game last night. One that uh, goes for the for the record books, but I'm doing well. Glad uh, to be like Aaron and I'm showing up.
0: That's all we can do every day.
2: Um, well, lots to get
0: to, guys. I appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. We've got some job rumors to get to. Um, but first, before we get into the jobs that are open, we're going to talk Louisville. We're going to talk Illinois State. Um, we've got a couple other jobs to talk about. Um, some some uh, what-if hypothetical scenarios. Um, and as always, we're not here to glorify coaches losing jobs. We're not here to speculate over coaches losing jobs. We're just here to talk about who could fill these openings, what openings may may come and, um, you know, who's next up, who's next up for the opportunity. But before we get into that, we're in the midst guys of equality and inclusion night, uh, which is sweeping the nation, college basketball, men's and women's programs from all over the country are, are participating and getting involved over a hundred schools. Aaron, what's that been like? What's you've, you've been, uh, at the, you know, beginning stages of this thing mm. from six months ago, what's it been like? What's, what's it like to see it kind of come to fruition?
1: Yeah. So I think, I mean, I feel like I text you like every day where I'm like, is this real?
2: Like,
1: is this <laughs> every time I like see a new school or like, I just like will pull on, like put on games, and I'm like, is that, is that our win? Like, are we like, are we like, so I think it's just been really incredible, honestly, just watching it happen. And also, like, I don't want to say that it was like easy because it wasn't. There's like a lot of hours put into it and a lot of like manpower and stuff like that. But I think just like the principle of it and the fact that like so many people do stand for equality and inclusion and want this to be you know, something that they value on their staff um, and value, um, you know, just in their everyday lives and, and want to represent for their programs and for their like student athletes. I think it's been really big and um, being able to, to see just the programs it's that maybe just seeing that like my envelopes are getting places. Like, I'm like, thank God. Um, I know. <laughs> we, really talk, cool.
0: we talked about it last week, every day. It's a ritual now, Aaron and I, I'll call her when I get the mail around 5pm to see how many of the envelopes have been returned to my home address. Um, <laughs> and, and your 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 shooting percentage is really high level over 80%. So very impressive. We'll take that. Brian, can you can you give us a little recap, like tell tell the listeners what exactly um, we're asking these programs to do?
2: What is a quality and
0: inclusion? day?
2: Yeah, uh, great question. So I think the beauty of it, and Erin spoke about this eloquently, and I'm stealing from her, but uh, it does mean something different to each program, but I think the beauty of it is uh, being able to celebrate. There's such <laughs> large words that mean so much in, as far as important things. Um, so each program can have different things that they can mean to them. Each person within a program can have different things that means to them, but uh, I think the biggest things are the words themselves, uh, equality and inclusion, just bringing inside of mine, uh, it inside in mind, obviously, it kind of all got ignited back when the George Floyd thing happened. DJ, let's go. Let's go. Uh, we'll talk about Daryl as well, who's done a phenomenal job as executive director to uh, make sure this is inside in mind. But it started with the social justice roundtables and just trying to figure out how to make more change in our um, profession in the DI Alliance was created to make more change in profession and in communities and uh, shout out to Marcus Bright, Mr. Community himself. Uh, he's been killing it. So that's a whole nother segment in itself. Cause this man is everywhere. Um, but yeah, just asking programs to uh, preferably wear black. If you don't have black in your colors and you have a darker color, a gray, whatever, just be unified color, but hopefully, it can be black. Uh, wear the pin uh, and then just, post about it so that we can continue to spread the word. And if you have um, some type of video, I know a couple of schools have done those. Uh, some schools have their own t-shirt that they wear the pin with. Uh, it's kind of what you want to make it, to be honest, but it's the biggest thing is just celebrating equality and inclusion and making it a uh, mainstream conversation and keeping it inside in mind.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it has been incredible, the response and the number of schools that are participating um has there been one uh guys that you saw because a lot of schools have reached out and confirmed that they're gonna do it but then a lot of schools we just see like we're flipping through the tv and watching games and we're like oh they're wearing the pins or we'll be on social media and you know they'll make their post that hey we're we're uh today's game is for equality and inclusion has there been one school where you saw it and it was like
2: whoa this is like this is big I'll go, I'll go. second. I'll let Aaron go first. I do have one though.
1: Um, I mean, I think it's just been cool for like the Big Ten. Um, obviously, I'm at Minnesota, and I, um, you know, it's my first year on staff, and I, um, I play such like a a smaller role. Obviously, getting there my first year. Um, but I think just it's really or, cool.
2: yeah, pivotal role. Yet yeah, pivotal role. I have to say that.
1: Yes, absolutely. But I think like just seeing like coaching staffs that like we've been playing against and like I kind of sit there and I'm like they have no idea who I am and that like I sent this to them um which is like kind of really cool so I think just like the the initiative the Big Ten schools have had um like Nebraska's doing it um been in contact with Michigan State they're like really amped about trying to get it going um Wisconsin just did it and so I think just that part of things we're doing ours this week and so I think that'll that'll really hit me um I'll probably get really like emotional about it because it's just a really big deal and it's really taken off. Um, but I think the coolest part for me with the pins was, um, the Dobo at Penn, um, cause they just, the Penn Harvard game. And she actually played with me in like for a season in club, like we're both from Chicago and she like DM'd me on Twitter and was like, Hey, like, we're literally like, I work at Penn, like we're doing this game. And, um, and I was just like, oh my God, like we haven't talked since high school. Like it was literally so crazy. And she's like, I Googled rising coaches and like your face was all over it. And, uh, this and, that. and like, it was just such a surreal moment that I was like, this is like so wild. Um. And so I was like, oh my gosh, text me. And then like everything that she like, I got to like kind of hear about the perspective of like, obviously we can do so much and like lead people, you know, to the water, but can't make them drink. Um. But she like got our letter and then really like took it from there and they got like free shirts to hand out at the game. And like, they did like a moment, um you know, during the national Anthem and like did their own movement and things like that. And it was just like, it was so cool to not only like, so cool night like with one of my Chicago hoops express sisters, but also to just like have like a, a fellow like woman in sport and all that stuff. So that for me, I think, um was like has been the biggest thing um just seeing teams and and stuff like that
2: what about you b yeah mine's kind of two-part i would say so first part is like seeing adam and marcus go to uh georgia tech go to memphis uh seeing marcus go to uh that harvard and Penn game uh obviously seeing daryl be able to um broadcast the game and and seeing all the i mean i think that part because it's you guys there in person i think it's hit me differently to see how cool it is and to see you taking pictures with head coaches uh josh pastner i think they may have gotten a win and he had like a celebratory picture he took um so those were cool and hit me but i'm not gonna lie the north carolina one when i saw that i was like yo what is happening that was a was such a good job with the post too and uh yeah that was definitely a moment where i was like yo that's the blue blood of blue bloods uh just representing out the gate so yeah that, that was a real moment
0: no doubt no doubt i think the one for me i agree with north carolina the other one that hit me was oklahoma state just because mike boyton's somebody that yeah i really have like have a lot of respect for and admire him not just as a coach but somebody who's willing to use that platform yep. to speak about um issues inequality uh specifically in our profession um and so and that's what we're trying to encourage coaches to do right like don't don't be scared to upset the apple cart like you have an unbelievable amount of influence right now in this moment of time like use it right. use it to to educate and engage your fan base about equality and so when i saw the oklahoma state one which i think was yesterday or two days ago i was like i definitely fist pumped a few times. definitely was excited Right. So, right. Uh, yeah, it's it's been awesome, and and I'm about to meet up with Dr. Bright here in a minute. We're um we're actually at Ole Miss today. Ole Miss is hosting their game against South Carolina. Both nice. schools are participating. So, as soon as we're done here, we'll be at the gym, and uh, hopefully Marcus can can hit a couple jumpers today. I know he's been short a few times uh, from three point range, but. You know it's, it's it's been a minute for him he used to hey back back in his college days he used to we used to have to tell him to back up get behind the line spot up fire away that was a specialty yeah. you know fire, fire right away like
2: it'll come back to him can, can, we, can we talk about yeah. dr bright real quick because i think there's not there hasn't Please. been everyone's done their part to promote it but man this dude has been I mean i don't know if marcus bright was really on social media and had a presence but he's been on fire with this i mean i think every single time somebody posts he is interacting with commenting sharing uh and then he's been in i mean what six different gyms already i just think it's it's been awesome to see as a senior advisor of the di alliance uh for him to just jump from another field and come here and just just take it and run with it i think it's just really been awesome and I think he deserves a a a quick shout out no doubt and the the perspective that he's been able to provide you know
0: marcus has run the biggest uh dropout prevention program in the state of florida um for the last five years for congresswoman Frederica wilson and you know he spends all day every day trying to get through to high school age and middle school age kids and connect with them and, Mm. and motivate them and keep them on the path and you know, that's hard work. <laughs> you know, when you're a kid, you're not trying to listen to anybody. But then then he steps in and sees what we're able to do. And he's like, these are the heroes of these kids putting on the pin and speaking about these issues. And, you know, just the convening power is the word that I always steal from him. The convening power that sports has is it really is unmatched. And so you know, to him, I know it's the same way. He's like, I'm going to this game. I'm going to that game. I'm like, hey, Marcus, like, I love it. how are you doing this? And he's like, the, the time is now. We got to take advantage of this. This is unbelievable. What's happening? It's historic. Cool. So he gives me, he gets me fired up about it. And you're right, he's been everywhere, and definitely a major shout out to Marcus. And excited to see him here in a in a couple minutes. So I'll let him know. I'll let him know you were you were singing his praise.
2: Yeah, big shout outs.
0: Yeah. All right, let's uh let's shift gears here. Let's start talking about some of these openings, some of the some of the job coaching carousel happenings. It is mid February. It's getting to be that time of year. You're starting to hear some rumbles. You're starting to hear some rumors. There was a job that officially opened this week. Illinois State is kind of strange how it went down. The Illinois State AD came out and said they were letting go of Coach Dan Muller after the season, um, which is kind of weird. The timing's weird, right? Um, Coach Muller initially came out and said he would coach yeah. to the end of the season. And then the following day said he's going to step away and, and step aside. Um, kind of strange how it went down. You know, yeah. it's, it's always hard to make the decision to change leadership in your basketball program, but you kind of get a feel for like who, you know, there's a way to handle things and, and a graceful way to, way to do it. And uh, it seems like maybe they missed the boat here. Um, but, it is a great opportunity. Illinois State, I think, is a good job. Aaron is our Missouri Valley Conference expert. Uh, played at Evansville, uh, grew up in the Chicagoland area. Um, Aaron, tell us about like how does Illinois State stack up to like say in Evansville where you played or some of the other jobs in the league? Yeah, so I definitely think
1: Illinois is up there like it is probably like leads the pack and just like an overall experience um not only did i play in the missouri valley so we obviously got to visit um every you know campus and experience and playing in every arena and stuff like that but also like as um a high school like women's basketball player that's where like our state tournament is so like redbird arena like it's always the race to redbird um so an, a lot of you know, kids that I grew up with went to Illinois state too. Some of my best friends um, played sports there. And I think they just have, they have a great like campus atmosphere. They've really done a lot to have like a college town, but it also kind of be like a small city and it not just be, you know, the campus um, facilities and stuff. I think it's great. Basketball wise, they have a lot of really great tradition. Um, the women's basketball program is like on and up and up, obviously talking about men's basketball um, and within the Valley, I'm pretty sure they've like, they've gone to the NCAA tournament like five or six times. And they always um, are a really big leader and competitor in the arch madness that plays in uh, St. Louis for the men. So I'd say it's, it's a, it's a good, it's a good place to be. Um, You're kind of also in the middle of Missouri Valley land. Um, It's kind of the, the Mecca right there. Um, And so I think it's just the fans, they provide a really great atmosphere when you play, and um, from my understanding, the, the student athlete experience, they kind of really take care of their own. So, um, yeah, I think I rate it pretty high on uh, my scale uh, when it comes to kind of looking at the different um, places, the rich traditions, the facilities, things like that, the overall experience and location and things like that. I think it's it's pretty it's a pretty good place. So I'd, I'd say that that was high priority if you're looking to be a mid-major head coach.
0: Yeah, for sure. B, I want to hear your names, but first, let's start off with like the interim. This one's a little different. I know, I know you're usually saying that the interims don't have much of a chance of winning a job, but the interim here happens to be Brian Jones, who was the head coach at, um, uh, at North Dakota for, I think, 13 seasons, led North Dakota to an NCAA tournament as last year there. Um, before becoming an assistant here at Illinois State. Um, so obviously he's done it at a high level. Um, the timing suggests maybe is the AD trying to get a look at Brian Jones the last month of the season. What are your thoughts here? Does does BJ have a chance of getting it? or, or is...
2: For the record, I normally say that at the high major jobs, no offense to Illinois State, but the mid-major jobs, I usually am rooting for uh, the assistant to get the job, but, Uh, I don't know much about this situation, to be honest, so I'm speaking completely off of um, the little bit of information that I've gathered, but Illinois State, per stadium's rankings uh, by Jeff Goodman and others, uh, is number one in the conference based on, uh, especially, I'm sure, with Loyola leaving to go to uh, a new league, the A-10. So Illinois State, I think when you're the top job in the league, there may be a reason why the AD chose to um, do it this way to maybe get ahead of it and have an opportunity to just, you know, as you know, when the season ends, it's a mad rush because there's jobs that are opening and it just feels like this gigantic scramble. So although if he knew he was going to let him go, sometimes it is better to just know, like, instead of faking it and trying to go through this agony, I've been in an interim situation before. Those are really hard, but it's almost better to just know, like, you don't know if you're getting a job or not and, or you don't, or you know, you're not in the job. So then everyone can just kind of settle into, okay, there's some transition coming and maybe it'll turn out if they get the person that they want, that they can get ahead of it. And uh, I have heard Steve prone's name mentioned for this job, Uh, obviously super successful, uh, as a head coach, was last at Iowa State where uh, it didn't quite work out the way they wanted at the end, but uh, can really coach. He's a part of Field of 68 now, kind of staying involved in the game, uh, talking about basketball every day, uh, kind of with their media network. But he would be a great name, had great success at Murray State. Been a major that's a power, so i will kind of bringing that back. I mean, you see guys – and I'll just give a quick shout-out to Shaka Smart, who I think is uh, – He got overly criticized at Texas, was like him and Brad Stevens were the almost the golden boys of college basketball, if you will, uh, the mid-major darlings. And he goes to Texas, and it just wasn't a great fit, but he still had enormous pros. He still had good success. He just didn't have unrealistic success that he had at VCU. And then now he's at Marquette, and he's killing it again. So I think if they were to go Steve Prohm or someone like that, um, that had already been at a higher level and a mid-major as well. Uh, there's something to be said about that. So uh, definitely a hot job, a one that will be a lot of people will be going after, I'm sure, and having their people reach out to their people even as of right now. So uh, I'll give a little bit of credit to the AD and just say if he knew he was going to get rid of the coach, maybe it is for the better for everyone to be able to get ahead of it and just settle in. No also, pressure. like,
1: let's normalize transparency. That's my only thing, too. Because, like, yeah, kudos to the AD for doing that. But, like, as a mm. player that was, like, a transfer, like, especially with the tr- – I didn't have the transfer portal because I'm old. But, like, it was just, like, that would have been so much better <laughs> of, like – I'm not that old. <laughs> but just from, like, a an overall wellness of, like, you're not – you're not going to be walking into, like, a shitstorm storm if we're allowed to cuss on here. But, like, you're not – like, it's just, like, a better place for, like, your players to, like, also see that transparency from your administration that like you don't see that when you're a student athlete. So I just wanted to add that, like kudos to the AD shout out to transparency. Like let's normalize that in this profession.
2: I love it. I uh, see you Aaron. Uh, and, and real quick, Aaron, I don't know if you've ever watched the carousel, but Adam is normally the one cussing. So you're definitely allowed to cuss for the record.
0: Yeah. You're, you're definitely within our regulations. and won't
1: fall far from the tree.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. I will say this, though, like as a coach, you're, you know, it's mid-February. You still got probably six games left in the regular season. You still got a conference tournament. You're scratching and clawing and try to win games. And it does, you know, you want to see the season to the end um, and just kind of finish the chapter. And you never know. These turnarounds happen. I think back to Georgia men's basketball when Dennis Felton was there. This is, you talk about being old, Aaron. I'm going back to like the early 2000s, but <laughs> amazing they did it. They did a documentary about it, at ESPN 30 for 30, um, and I, they were towards the bottom of the league. They came out and won the SEC tournament. So those turnarounds happen, and I'm just a big believer in letting coaches finish the season, but understand what you guys are saying. I'll, I'll throw out some names here for this job. Um, you know, some, some guys who are in that Midwest region um, that, that probably could be up for something like this. Preston Spradlin has done an unbelievable job at Moorhead State, took them to the NCAA tournament last year, Um, has them right around 20 wins again this season and will be competing. I think right now they're sitting at second or third in the OVC. Moorhead's not an easy place to win. If you can win at Moorhead, Kentucky, surely you can can win at Illinois State. Um, Some other guys, you know, I think this guy will be a candidate for a high major job this year, but Richie Riley down in South Alabama, He's a Kentucky guy. He's a Midwest guy, super creative recruiter, has done an unbelievable job. He'd be a home run for Illinois State if they could get him. Um, some other some other guys, Chester Frazier, um, obviously was a great player and is now an assistant at Illinois. Um, he'd be a good assistant. Chris Hollander or Cornell Mann, both at Missouri, would be fantastic. And, and let's not forget Purdue, who produces, it seems like, more head coaches than anybody, Brandon Brantley. Um, has been kind of the next up guy for Matt Painter at Purdue the last, you know, seven, eight years here. Uh, And he would certainly be a great hire. And and those Purdue assistants seem to go on and and have success. So it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens at Illinois State. Speaking of your guys, Steve Perlman and Murray State, don't forget, Murray and Belmont are both joining the Missouri Valley. So things are going to get a lot tougher. And those are two schools that will immediately be able to compete uh, for league championships from day one uh so yeah definitely will be interesting to see Uh, and and we do think there will be more missouri valley jobs opening um but but moving on to some of these bigger high major jobs that are still open of course we've got maryland of course we got louisville let's start with louisville here b um you know we talked briefly about it last week um Um, any new names here that that you're hearing or, or you think would be a good fit
2: uh, the new name I've heard more recently, I mean, we talked about it briefly last time. Uh, it's just Steve Forbes' name is kind of getting some traction as one of the names that, um, yeah, and just you know, always shout out to Juco guys. Uh, much love to guys that have done the Juco ranks and paid their dues that way and had success. Uh, I think it translates absolutely. And, um, yeah, Forbes' his name has been mentioned, he's done a outstanding job at Wake Forest. Um, Unexpected Wake Forest to really be this good as fast as they are. Uh someone who does a good job with JUCO's transfers, but uh did a great job at East Tennessee State. So he's a name that uh because he's doing it kind of at a school that at this point in the game is kind of doing more with less. I think his name is one that uh has been mentioned. Um yeah, and then Kenny Payne has still been the name uh that I think he's going to have an opportunity to, I don't want to say turn it down, but he's definitely going to have an opportunity to win them over. So uh, those are kind of the main two names that I've heard for this one.
0: Yeah. I've been hearing a lot of Mick Cronin chatter. What would be the poll for Mick Cronin to leave UCLA and go to Louisville?
2: Yeah. I don't know if it's a region thing. I mean, we talked about that a little bit last time too. I don't know if it's a regional thing. Um, It's kind of, Uh, UCLA and Pac-12 is just different than uh, the Midwest, you know? Uh, So if you're a Midwest guy and that's your stomping ground, then uh, I think that makes a little more sense. Maybe regionally recruiting, maybe for uh, lifestyle. I mean, obviously California is really nice, but not necessarily for everybody. And it's not like the UCLA fan base wants anything less than a national championship. And I'm not saying that Louisville doesn't want that, but – UCLA sometimes maybe has some unrealistic expectations. He's already gone to the Final Four. I don't want to say what more can he do, but what more can he do except win the whole thing? Uh, we saw ben, ben Howland have tremendous success, and they kind of ran him out of town a little bit. So I think it's just a tough job from an expectation and surely cost a living. We know in L.A. is through the roof. So uh, it could make sense. I mean, I think sometimes head coaches getting these jobs – and you're moving but then you have success it's like well let me get to one that maybe makes more sense for me you don't always know um how much of a fit it is from afar but sometimes they happen so fast it's like you got to jump on the opportunity so um i think he if he was to pursue it i think that would be some of the reasons why
0: good good insight there b okay let's talk a little bit about maryland the the rumor uh that we've heard from a lot of different sources is that Andy Enfield from USC will be, will be headed to Maryland after the season. Um, are there any other, before we dive deeper into that, Brian, are there any other names that you're hearing uh, that you think would be a good fit at Maryland?
2: Yeah, I really haven't heard much to be honest. I mean, I think the infield stuff or whatever source or whatever uh, point of leverage or whatever it may be that the reason why that story is out there. So, so strong. Uh, I'm not sure what that is, but, it seems like that is kind of what people are uh, fixed on for now. So, and I don't know if it's another thing where infield has been there. I don't think you realize it. It's been 10 years since uh, Dunk Dunk City. Uh, yeah. He's been at USC 10 years, and he's really had as good a success as anyone's had there as far as basketball. I mean, they're continuing to have success this year. Uh, just had a big win even earlier this week. So, yeah, I'm not sure any other names other than that one, but – uh, it will be interesting to see. It's always interesting to see when there's like this one name that you only hear and then the, the job either does happen right away and it's like, oh, okay, that was right. Or it doesn't even almost happen. It's like, so this that time we the carousel, it goes round and round. You never know what you may hear or what may be true, but we have fun with it. Yeah.
0: And then just just reminder, you know, you got Chris Mack sitting out there who I would imagine is going to coach somewhere next year. He's a home run hire for, for anybody. You got Sean Miller and Archie Miller who are two proven, you know, obviously Sean had his issues at Arizona, but two proven winners sitting out there. Um, and then you've got, uh, you know, Rick Pitino, will he coach at the high major level again? He's got Iona in first place. He's tearing it up there. The dude has done nothing but win at the highest level. Um, he's had his issues too, but you know, schools don't care about that. They want to win. That's been proven time and time again. So, um, but let's dive into this hypothetical because everyone is talking about Andy Enfield to, to Maryland. Who would be some names for USC? We kind of tossed them around last week, but um, is there anybody that that stands out to you as a good fit for, for the Trojans? Because this is yeah. a hard job. Let's yeah. What you talked about with Andy Enfield and the success, what he's done there has been remarkable. And no one cares because it's, you know, like USC isn't, it's just not this basketball it's,
2: job. It's a football school.
0: Football yeah, score. and you just you gotta have someone that's like dynamic and creative, and Enfield is that and has done that. Right, but you can't just like put anybody in that position and expect them to win. Who, who do you think would be a good fit there?
2: I'm gonna go one name and one name only for this one, and I want to shout out to our DI Alliance, uh, Ben Johnson, who had an incredible story, and I think is doing as good of a job in year one as anyone could have expected. Was a mid major assist. Essentially high major assistant at Xavier got a job at his alma mater. Uh, I think he's just done a tremendous job. Aaron would know firsthand she's there at Minnesota. Uh, I'm biased, but I'm okay with saying my bias, but I'm also, he's, he's just, he's proven it. He's done a remarkable job in his first year. And I think not because of the DI Alliance next up initiative, but another head coach from that is Jason Hart, who is doing a great job. Um, in the G League with the Ignite, uh, he's an LA guy. I think recruiting is obviously huge if you're going to uh, keep the local talent home. And a younger guy who's polished, who has a connection to players, and I think very similar to Ben. I think he would be able to do a great job getting the local uh, energy around it. And I just think he's already been there as an assistant. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that there's he could he could make it higher like a guy like Pooh. Who, when he retires, who would be unbelievable as an assistant coach to help recruit as well? Uh, I could go on and on, but I just think uh, Jason Hart would be a tremendous name. To, you know, it's funny because he interviews at all these other jobs. You go up to the G League, you get the experience, and the next thing you know, now you can come back and essentially get a job like that. So, I'm going Jason Hart, dropping the mic on that one.
0: I love it. Speak it into existence, B. Um, I agree, and I'll, I'll bring up the name that I brought up earlier. I think another one who would be great, again, because of the challenges with the USC job and how creative this person is on the recruiting trail is Richie Riley. I think even though he's not per se a West Coast guy, um, he's proven that he will find ways to load a roster with talented dudes, and he's proven that he can he can coach and motivate them. Um, so that would be my, my one name. I guess some other guys out on the West Coast that have done an unbelievable job um todd golden at san francisco um, is is obviously making a huge name for himself and will be a high major coach soon uh your guy man jeff linder is as good of a coach as anybody over at wyoming what he's doing there what he did at northern colorado prior um those guys are fantastic and what about our guy shante laggins over at portland he took eastern washington to the ncaa tournament now has portland in first uh, i believe first place or they're close to 20 wins. I don't know about first place, but they're close that, to
2: 20 Zaga, wins at Portland. Zaga's definitely in first place just for the
0: record.
2: Yeah, Gonzaga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. For, for, sure. Right. Uh, for sure. Portland did beat uh South. Uh, excuse me, San Francisco uh, just the other day in a huge win, uh, and they've done better than what people expected in year one. Uh, that league is really hard. Obviously, BYU, St. Mary's, um, San Francisco. But, uh, yeah, Shante Liggins has done a good job. I don't know that the – a good enough job to justify usc job yet but um yeah i'm tripping
0: yeah. i'm
2: tripping i was looking I think, at seattle i think i got I it confused oh seattle yes yeah, seattle is balling out of control yeah shout out to seattle no but that's way. not
0: that's not coach leggings but, but
2: no, it. That's, okay. that's okay he needs to get that job though he's interim he needs to get that job. people at seattle you probably don't watch the carousel i don't blame you but he should get that job um no damon stoudemire i'll throw another one i'm gonna go one more damon stoudemire did a fabulous job at Pacific, which is an extremely hard job in California. Uh, did more with less. And obviously, in the NBA with the Celtics. I'm going to kind of NBA guys, but uh, I also think Damon Stoudemire uh, would be Mighty Mouse. Unbelievable player, and uh, not only at Arizona, but in the NBA. Was rookie of the year, so uh, I would say he's another name that would do a great job, not only in recruiting, but just having that presence. Um Guys want to play in the NBA. If you're at USC, they want to play in the NBA. No no, no disrespect. So I think having an NBA guy and guys that have played in it would fit really well with their kind of USC Trojan pedigree.
0: No doubt. But just like guys want to play in the NBA, don't guys want to coach in the NBA? And, like, he's on the track to becoming an NBA head coach as an assistant with the Celtics now. I'll well, let you him. never know what's going I'll him,
2: on. I'll let him make that choice. That's that.
0: Exactly. You never know what's going on in people's minds and families and situations. But – um, you know, it's always just like, you know, and Damon's different because he is an assistant at the NBA level. Right. People throw out like Brad Steven's name and Billy Donovan's name, like they're going to come back to college. That the, the, the GM of the Celtics and the was head that, coach of the Bulls. Like, was
2: that called somebody – was a John Beeline watching the line? Was that a John think uh,
0: Yeah, John Beeline been spotted at the Galen Center in USC.
2: <laughs> he, he was having lunch at Erwan Market. Yeah.
0: So. <laughs> The John Beeline watch is always, always in full effect here at the carousel. Guys, I appreciate you guys jumping on. Appreciate you people tuning in. Uh, the carousel is back, baby. Uh, and it's only starting to, to get going for this offseason. It'll go faster and faster and speed up as the weeks go on. Equality quality and inclusion night tonight. We're going to be at Old Miss. Yes. Uh, excited about everything that's going on. And we'll see you guys back here next week sometime. Who knows when? Uh, Whenever we get around to it, but sometime next week, tune in. Keep showing up, Aaron. Keep showing up. Thanks, guys. As always, the preparation, production value of our productions are second to none. Thanks, everybody.